Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Malted Muse podcast. Well, a lot's happened since my last episode of the Malted Muse podcast. In fact, the night the last episode went out, the 22nd of November 2011, Compass Box officially announced the last vatted malt and the last vatted grain were now available for pre-order from your local retailer in certain markets or via their UK online shop. Now unfortunately those two limited editions are not available through their normal distributor and retailer network in the USA or South Africa and they apologize for that. If you want more information go www.compassboxwhiskey.com a link for that will be on my website now if you want to follow links for things on my website go to the particular episode detail on the episode log under the Morted News visit my website you will find it it's not too difficult that's not the only thing that's happened Gavin Hewitt Chief Executive of the Scotch Whiskey Association has been elected President of the European Spirits Organisation. Now this organisation represents the spirits industry at a European level. Its membership comprises of 30 national associations representing the industry in 26 countries as well as a group of leading spirits producing companies. Now Gavin Hewitt has been Chief Executive of the SWA since October 2003. Prior to joining the spirit sector, he'd been the British Ambassador to Croatia, to Finland and to Belgium. During his two-year term of office, starting on the 23rd of November, he has said that his priorities are going to be to promote, protect and grow the European spirits industry in the EU and in third markets to demonstrate the EU spirit industry's commitment to social responsibility including compliance with regulations on advertising and promotion of alcohol and to advocate responsible consumption and to ensure that the EU institutions understand the economic importance of the spirits industry and do not discriminate against spirits by comparison with other alcoholic beverages in rules and regulations. Now he said that he's delighted to take on this role which will help ensure the European spirits industry including Scotch whisky companies is well represented in Europe. As an industry we work with the European Union across a whole range of areas from encouraging trade to showing our commitment to social responsibility. The role of the President of European Spirits Organisation complements his full-time position as Chief Executive of the Scotch Whiskey Association. Personally, I get a feeling that that is good news. Now, some people can disagree with the role of people like the SWA. I personally don't think that the SWA is right every single time. But I think the role of the SWA is an important one. 
and it's getting that balance right. I think the SWA being a bit parental, laying down rules, that's a good idea. But as long as we can fight against those rules and get a good balance. Good luck to Gavin. I hope he, and I'm sure he will, perform his role well. Now, last week's episode, I talked to someone from the famous grouse. And I've had a notification from the famous grouse this week. It's All the information is on their website. And yet again, a link to that is available on my website. But what they're saying is that this year they released the famous grouse celebration decanter, celebrating 30 years as Scotland's favourite whisky. And now they're inviting their fans from all over the world to take part in their 30th anniversary celebrations with a special competition. They're giving one lucky blog reader the chance to win the decanter and a trip for two people to the spiritual home of the famous grouse, the famous grouse experience in Scotland. I believe it's at the Glen Turret Distillery. And I like to emphasize the Glen Turret Distillery because I'll tell you now, a good aged Glen Turret is a lovely whiskey. There, they will see behind the scenes of how Scotland's favorite whiskey is made and learn how to create their very own blend of whiskey. And the winner will also spend two nights at the luxurious Glen Eagles Hotel with dinner, bed and breakfast and travel included in the prize. To enter, just tell them in no more than 200 words what you're celebrating this year and why. It could be a wedding, a birthday, a special anniversary. Tell them for a chance to win. Post your entry in the comment area of their website and their contact the winner after the closing date, which is 15th of January 2012. The website is blog.thefamousgrouse.com. As I said, I'm going to put a link for that up on my website. Lovely competition. Good prize. But now I want to be a bit selfish. I want to promote my own product. Now, I said before, I don't want to talk too much about that on this podcast series. I have another podcast series called Whiskey Selection, and that is dedicated to product that I will release under the label The Morted Muse. At the moment, there's only one product. It's a lovely 15-year-old Tobermory single cask, cask strength whiskey called the home calling. I've spoken about it before. I've said it's available before and I've been hitting so many technical problems that it actually stopped me from being able to sell that online. So I took it offline for a while. Now I've tested the system. It's now available. I'd love people to buy it. I'd love them to buy it for quite a few reasons. One of the main reasons is it is a good whiskey. It's one that I've related to, I've really enjoyed, and I'm sure other people will too. Another reason is, so far, I've managed to produce these podcasts out of my own funds without advertising, without taking in sponsorship. This is the way that I have to fund the, this podcast. 
So if I can't sell the whiskey, then funding for this podcast becomes a problem. It's available to buy in the UK through my website www.themaltedmuse.com If you want to keep updated on this and any other product I will put out or hope to put out in the future, though one of the easiest way is to follow me on Twitter or to like me on Facebook or to go on to Whiskey Selection Podcast and subscribe to that. That way you'll stay up to date with stuff that I'm putting out and if there's any problems I'll tell you about it and any availability issues I can tell you about that as well. But the home calling, it's available now. Let's get on with this episode. Now this time I managed to have a lovely chat with somebody all the way in Canada. Have they got a distillery? Nearly. It's an interesting story, a story of of hope, of planning, of ideals, of having targets to reach, of a journey that's only just beginning. Grant, so nice to talk to you and we can actually talk properly now. Yeah. Um, so, so what is it you're doing here? What, what's, what's the program you've got going? Um, well, I'm building a, an artisan whiskey distillery mm-hmm. in the wine region of British Columbia. Uh, what I'm currently doing, I purchased the land about a year ago. And since then, I've been rezoning the property to allow the distillery to be built in this area. Right. Um, so that's, that's our ongoing process right now. We're hoping to near completion on the rezoning of the property come mid January and start construction shortly after that. So, okay. So where, how can I say this? How are you managing to do that? How's that being financed? What's the inspiration behind it? Sure. Can I give you a long story? (laughs) Yeah, you can. Um, I guess, I mean, the distillery, and, I, and I, I heard one of your podcasts as well, where you, you talked about, uh, you know, th- you were thinking about, what if I started up a distillery? And I, I thought the same thing. Um, I was sitting around with some friends, you know, we have, we have some whiskey appreciation, and we've been to Scotland, and we've been to multiple tastings and events. And we began talking, you know, I wonder if it's possible to build a distillery in Canada. So... I thought, yeah, you know what? I wonder if it is possible. And I started to do some research uh, to see what the price of equipment would be. And, you know, I was, I was curious, but I thought, well, if the price comes back reasonable, you know, maybe that might be something to explore. So I looked into the price of a still from Germany, and it was reasonable. It wasn't extraordinary. So I started to do a little bit more research on the costs and the materials to see if this was something that I could do. Um, and the prices came back and I thought, you know what? I mean, the prices are very reasonable. This is something that I think can be done on a small scale. And I thought, okay, well, what's the next step? You know, I've worked at a resort, I manage uh, different departments and staff, but it's very different than running uh, your own business. So I took some courses on developing a business plan and running your own business. 
So I had one step and I thought, well, you know, running a, a home still, for example, is very different than running a commercial operation. And I didn't really know too much about that. So uh, Bavarian Holstein ran uh, distillery operations course in Arizona. So I went down there and it was great. They give us some hands-on experience in running the still. And the social aspect of it was just, it was fantastic. And right then and there, I was like, you know what, this is, this is what I want to do. You know, I have an opportunity here while I'm still young. Uh, I, can, I can make a risk here and, and give this a go. It's something, you know, that uh, caters to my social nature and whiskey. And I believe it's something I can do into my retirement years. So um, I started on the next steps of developing the business plan and looking for the equipment and uh, location was really important to me, I think, for the success of the distillery, for the long-term growth. I needed a story to go with it, and I wanted to purchase a piece of property. Uh, that would fit. Yeah, Grant, can I just interrupt just for a second? Sure. You're saying need an awful lot. So is this something you're doing completely off your own back, or are you, are you with somebody else in doing this? Yeah, and that's a good question. What I, what I did... Um, I had a, a whiskey tasting and a business plan presentation for some some close friends and uh, whiskey enthusiasts and some people that didn't like whiskey as well. And I presented the idea to them and some of the rough costs and to see if any of them were interested in what I was trying to do. And I had two friends step forward and say, yeah, you know what? Uh, this is sounds like a great idea and a great opportunity. One of them is a whiskey drinker. One of them is not a whiskey drinker, oddly enough, but he that, believes the business, the business idea uh, and has been a great supporter, actually. So they came so forward. You, sorry, but so you've got two people there that are supporting you. But again, what I'm picking up from you here is that this is your brainchild. This is your dream. You're the person who's the, the, the energy behind all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, there's some financing uh, with the banks as well. So sure. it's not all through private financing. Yeah. One thing I really wanted to do, what was important to me uh, with the distillery and something that other distillers, you know, maybe have been a hurdle in the past is the financing, but the commitment for long-term financing and, and for investors that return on investment is not going to come right away. Uh, so that was really important to be upfront um, with that for those people that are bringing financing forward. Yeah. So going back to this this early stage that you're you're at, then you're making this presentation. You're you're looking at financing and all this sort of business. You you're looking at an area for rezoning of buying stills. Have at this point you got a a finished product in mind a character for the whiskey or is that something you see developing as time goes by sure and, and that's an excellent question um i do have a character in mind and it, it's something i wanted to do something that was uniquely canadian um and i didn't really know how to do it but you know over time you develop ideas and and you have an idea of a taste profile we have a, a great wine region here in the Okanagan, and 
as you may know, and I'm sure you've tasted um, distilleries like Aaron, um, Tullibarden, they have some wine cask finish um, product. And here I am in the middle of the, the wine region, and we have some great wines coming out of here. So now I have an opportunity to finish my product, my Canadian single malt whiskey, in a Canadian wine barrel. So um, I anticipate it'll be along the lines of uh, Glen Morangi or, or Macallan, a lighter spirit uh, that's fruity and is, is popular with the consumers. Right, now you've said something here that I find really interesting. And actually it's two things and it's putting the two of those things together. One is uniquely Canadian. And the other thing you've said is single malt. Mm -hmm. Now, my understanding with Canadian whiskies is that there is no stipulation that they have to be single malts. In fact, quite the opposite. Um, trying to be tactful, Canadian whisky seems to have a bit more freedom um, by legislation as to what can be termed as whiskey than perhaps some of the other countries do, certainly um, compared to Scotland. But you're suggesting, yeah, you want it to be Canadian, you want it to be uniquely Canadian, but you're going to do it as a single malt. Is that right? Or? Yeah, that's going to that's gonna be the main focus, is a single malt whiskey. Um, much like Glenora Distillery produces a single malt whiskey and Shelter Point, which is now constructed, and um, they are producing now, but they don't have an aged product. The, the main focus will be on single malt whiskey. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, to separate myself as well from, from the larger distillers that are in Canada and, and something that I'm more passionate about and I, I think has uh, great potential as you see the as scotch and single malt whiskey grow. So have you given thought as yet to where your, your barley will be coming from, where the malting will be done or... Yeah, there's a there's a lot of great things um, that can that kind of came into play uh, with the distillery, uh, and the location is one. But uh, there's a cooperage, uh, Canadian cooperage, right here in Oliver, where I'm located. I could literally walk over to the cooperage and roll the barrel home if I wanted to. So uh, that's great, you know. And Cal at Okanagan Barrel Works, he's he's been fantastic um, in trying to determine a consistent flavor profile that we're trying to achieve or that we will try and achieve here. Um, and Canada has no shortage of barley. Uh, there's two malting houses, one in Armstrong and one in Vancouver, which are just a short drive away. Uh, so they're nice and close. So I'll be able to use Canadian barley. That's wonderful. So you've got a local cooper, you've got Canadian barley, you've got casks, wine cask from again from your from your local region yeah what about your water supply the water supply well and that was important as well um the property that was purchased here uh, there's a well there's two wells on the property we had the water tested uh, just to ensure that there was no real contaminants in it and the water came back uh, really really good some wells in the area not near me, but in Okanagan Valley have some concentrations of uranium, and that wasn't something I wanted to see. Uh, so we had the water tested on the property. It comes from an aquifer, so the water, I mean, the water's fantastic. 
uh, just drinking straight. So we're very fortunate to have a good supply of water, which was one of the requirements in the purchase of the property for making the whiskey and for uh, the cooling as well. Okay. Now, Grant, let me just lead you into a question here because sure. we haven't actually mentioned this yet, and really we ought to. Um, so I'm going to lay a question out for you to pick up and run with. Sure. Um, the water's coming from a well. Yes. That's a pretty dark place. It is a dark place, yeah. And that, that definitely leads into the name Douglas. So um, Douglas means uh, black pool or, or from the dark water, and that's, that kind of relates to the name as well. Um, and it ties into my, my Scottish heritage as well. I mean, I'm, I'm Canadian, but uh, my middle name is Douglas. So that yes. uh, it was a great tie-in, and it seemed to all fit together. And of course, this is what the, your, your product is going to be called. This is what you're calling the distillery, yeah? Yeah, the Douglas Distillery. Yeah, but this is not being spelt Douglas as normally the name would be spelled. Is that you're using Gaelic spe spelling? That's correct, yeah. It, yeah. How do you think that's going to go down with people like the SWA? Well, <laughs> I, I mean, that has been a topic that is, uh, it's a, been a big topic of conversation. Um, I don't know. We'll encounter that road when it comes to it. You know, I'm trying to differentiate myself um, from Scotch by making a uniquely Canadian product and the maple leaf in the logo as well. And I know Glenora had some problems with their uh, naming of the Glen Breton product. Um, you know, unless they want to put uh, a trademark on the whole language itself, you know, there's going to be some distilleries that are going to pop up with with some names. You're calling it Douglas. It's um, meaning the black water, but it's also a play on your own name and your own Scottish heritage. That's correct. But, you, but you're doing that openly and you're doing that almost with a, a respectful look, I would think, towards Scotland. But you're being very clear that the product you are making is Canadian. And that I'm, I'm going to presume that is going to be really apparent on the label. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to um, look like a, a Scotch on the shelf. You know, I, I definitely want to identify myself as Canadian and, and use that as a marketing opportunity as well. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. I mean, it's just a tie with, with, with heritage and you know, um, and recognizing that uh, I'm bringing something new. So I'm going to try to prize out as much information about this as I can from you. If, if, sure. if you think I'm getting you to the point you're going to start giving off trade secrets, no, do feel free <laughs> to say anything. You know, I, 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 at first I was shy about sharing the ideas of the distillery and, and with others for fear that somebody would, would steal that and, mm -hmm. and take it and run with it. And I had a good friend say to me, he said, you know what? I, I mean, you've got a great idea. And those ideas are out there already but they can't steal the passion or the vision that you have for the distillery and what you want to do. And that's what's going to sell. So, um, yeah, I, I believe I'll answer most of your questions for you. Well, I think the other thing to add to that is, is something that history, certainly in Scotland, has shown, is you can steal the ideas. You can absolutely copy everything the other person's done. But if you're on the other side of the road, that little change in terroir seems to make all the difference. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and there's so many examples where people have done that, uh, thinking to themselves, right, we'll, we'll copy that one, and the products come out w- almost completely different. Mm-hmm. And you have got that unique quality for yourself. You've got that combination of your passion, the ideas that you've got, but also your own unique location. And nobody can really copy, I don't think, anyway, all those things coming together. Yeah, and what I what I found too is is sharing my ideas with with other people in industry and competitors. Um, they've been supportive, you know, people from uh, uh, Scotch Distilleries, uh, a big distiller Forty Creek, uh, John Hall. I mean, they've been really really helpful. The industry is very supportive, mm. which has been great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I echo that actually. When I first started doing the podcast, I've had, I've had nothing but help and support, and it, I think it's something about whiskey that just seems to generate that sort of sense of community. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So it, yeah. I mean, it gives you just a great feeling, you know, uh, especially being a startup. Now, what shall we talk about now, next, Grant? Shall we talk about the still itself? Or shall we talk about what's going to be going into that still? Um, uh, e- either one. I mean, our, our still is, I mean, we haven't uh, completely, I guess I, sh- I haven't completely decided on the still. I, I believe it's going to be from Bar- Bavarian Holstein. Um, they, they make a great product. Um, I've used their product. I've seen them in other distilleries. And, I mean, I think it's a good fit for us. Um, the still is pretty basic. Uh, I mean, I'm much assuming like, we're talking pot still here. Yeah, we're talking about copper pot still. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, with some, sort of, sorry, go on. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, what sort of firing? Are you, what sort of heating would it? Would you prefer? Let's talk about what your ideal would be here for a moment. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a steam jacket. Um, we have gas access to the property here, so. I'll uh, be a steam jacket around the still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we want to, you know, we want to heat it slowly as well, and and have a bit of a craft to it. It's it's not going to be a large still. It's going to be two hundred and fifty liters. So, and what about reflux? Are you, you tend getting any reflux going in the neck or? Um, no, not in the neck. We'll have. I mean, it's a bit of a different uh, distillation technology where we'll have those. Uh, there'll be plates in there, condensation plates. All oh, right where it'll yeah. catch catch some of the spirits and if it's not light enough uh it won't go up to the next plate so it'll drop back down so that's very similar to how you w- would have gotten a loman still i'm not familiar with the loman still but uh well the loman still was basically um a pot still that had a rectifying column on it in uh, in replacement of the neck as such so yeah. it's like a crossover between a pot still and a um, a column still type. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and the um, the condenser will sit on the side uh, of the still. It actually won't be on top of the still itself. I, I looked at three different still manufacturers: um, Carl Mueller and Bavarian Holstein. And uh, I was just really happy with the quality that Bavarian Holstein has. Yeah, it gives us it gives us some flexibility. Those those condensation plates 
that are in there, we can, we can either have them open or we can have them closed. Uh, so it's going to give us the opportunity to do different things uh, with the whiskey if we wanted to be a little bit more creative. Uh, we could open up those uh, plates and have a heavier spirit if we wanted to. What about yeast? You haven't spoken about yeast. Have you got yeast sorted out in your mind? Yeah, yeast um, is going to come from uh, the States, from White Labs. They supply uh, a lot of yeast strains for uh, the brewing and distilling industry across North America. So they're the main yeast supplier. Yeah, you certainly looked into this, Grant, haven't you? Well, I... <laughs> you, 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 you've laid awake at night sort of fantasizing for a long time before you've, you've taken the plunge with it, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a long process. It's been about uh, probably close to three years, maybe even a little bit longer until I, I've made it to this spot. Yeah, um, yeah no easy process. I mean, I, I originally, when decide, I decided that a distillery was a, a good opportunity, I didn't know where to, to build it. And uh, I wanted to build it back home near Cranbrook where I had friends and family. Um, but business-wise, it, it wasn't a wise move, I, I don't think. Um, I traveled through the wine region in British Columbia and visited the wineries and kept leaving with cases of wine. And I'm not much of a wine drinker. So <laughs> it became apparent that there was an opportunity here uh, with the tourist traffic that was visiting the wineries that uh, once they sample a product, uh, you taste it, you kind of make it your own and uh, you want to bring some of that home with you. So I started looking in this region for property that uh, had good exposure and good water and landed right here. Yeah, and you found you found the right place, the yeah. promised land. <laughs> I sure hope so. I sure hope so. You know, it's, a, it's a, just a great opportunity. Everything fell into place. It really did. Uh, with the barley and the cooperage and and wine finish and and even the name itself really yeah so it, it does actually sound like one of these things that are just sort of coming together naturally mm -hmm. in many respects Grant, i do have to ask you this it's it's one of those nasty um reality-based questions mm -hmm. but of course distilleries have this problem that they make a product, they have to predict what the market's going to be like a long time in the future. Um, and they have to sort of try to make now for what's going to be being sold, uh, no, a long time later. New distilleries have a real problem with that because they are not earning money during that waiting period. Um, and there's different ways that they, they cope with that. How do you feel you're going to cope with that? Um, well, I, you know, I'm still discussing. One of the main things was, uh, and for a startup distillery, it is difficult to get uh, some capital flowing, especially for us that uh, we're really going to focus on the visitor experience. So if a, somebody's, once the distillery is built, people are going to be able to visit the distillery. You know, we want to have a product mm. that we're going to, we would like to sell to them. So there's a, there's a couple of things that we're doing. One is our, our cask futures program. So we're going to be selling, uh, I guess, essentially shares in the cask, uh, giving people an opportunity to be part of the distillery. 
And now when I say cask, we're going to be using uh, small casks, so 114 liters, so about the size of a quarter cask. Right. And using that, we're, we're giving the spirit more exposure to the wood, so it's going to mature a little bit a little bit faster, I wouldn't say better, but it's going to mature a little bit faster, giving us a product in, in a shorter period of time. Um, so people will be able to buy these cask futures, essentially buying a product that uh, they're going to be able to bottle. And we hope to be in the three to four year range. Um, so that's our first thing that we're going to be doing, selling cask futures, uh, the opportunity there. And as well, we're in discussion right now to purchase some aged product uh, from Canadian distilleries uh, like rye and uh, corn. So we may be doing a, a bourbon or a rye and just independent bottling it. So we have, an, we have a product to sell for people that right. are to visit us. Now, one of the things that some distilleries have done, I mean, I'm thinking about St. George's in, in England, for example, they they certainly did this is, and Glen Glasgow in in Scotland as well recently did it, which is the selling of new make spirit. Is that something you considered doing? Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's going to be on our product line as well. We're going to sell new make spirits. It's not going to be a huge push uh, for that, but we are doing something that's unique as well, and and that is the ability to age your own spirit. And there's. There's been products before that have been offered where you get, uh, you know, uh, a young spirit or a, a new make spirit and you get a small oak barrel, uh, approximately one liter, and uh, you can purchase those two together and age your spirit at home. And I've done this personally. Um, I've got three fills out of my one liter oak barrel that I soaked with port as well after my first fill. And it's great. Uh, you yeah. get a great product out of it. I was really impressed. But the restrictions in place uh, to sell that through distribution, having an oak barrel attached, a small oak barrel attached to New Make Spirit, um, was really restrictive in Canada, and they couldn't do it through distribution. So that's something that uh, we can offer as two separate products, but promote together at the distillery itself. And we think that'll be uh, very popular with, with visitors. That sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. I, and uh, I mean, <laughs> I love my one one liter oak barrel. It was it was it was just a lot of fun. Um, can see, you know, we filled it up with port and we soaked it with port, and uh, you know, we drank the port afterwards, and then we filled it up with whiskey again. And, and you know, the first time I did the first fill, we kept sampling it as the product aged. Well, that just left more whiskey for the angels so yeah. the, so the second fill uh we we kept it corked the whole time and and opened it up at the six month mark and uh, sampled it actually at the whiskey business plan presentation and and the product was great i was i was really really impressed and it it reinforced that a small oak barrel has some great opportunity to produce a great product in a short period of time because of that spirit exposure to the wood. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, I can actually hear the, the, the passion in your voice as you're saying that, that, that excitement of uh, doing something and tasting it and realizing that what you've got there is something special and it's something good and 
and also something unique. Yeah, yeah. And that that is something you're going to be taking forward. That that passion, that interest, that excitement you're you're taking forward now into actually something bigger and uh, even more developed, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, I'm going to help promote um, single malt whiskey as well. And it's it's part of my marketing plan is to is to educate the market uh, in this area, uh, get the winery staff here, uh, get the business staff here, and I'm going to be holding weekly tastings. That's going to have products like Pendaren or Amrut, um, and let people know that it's not just Scotch uh, on the market. That there is this single malt whiskey industry around the world, and that uh, they all make great products. And that a lot of these products on the shelf that have no age statements are great products as well. And uh, so it's it's kind of rare that we'll, we'll be promoting other whiskey from the distillery. But, you know, it's, it's all good for the industry, I think, and uh, increasing the education, I guess, as well. Sure. sure. How much freedom do you have? Um, I'm talking out of ignorance here, but... As a as a whiskey maker in Canada, how much freedom do you have to experiment with things like wood type and um, fermentation times and you know, yeah, there's I mean as long as it spends three years in the barrel, um, you know there's not really a whole lot of restrictions, um, you know which gives us some great opportunity. Uh, to experiment a bit, you know, the industry has really died down. Uh, John Hall at Forty Creek, he does a, he does he makes an excellent product, um, and he, as opposed to having a, a mixed mash bill and and fermenting it in one barrel, he does individual mashes and ferment or and matures them separately and then blends them together afterwards. And he makes it he makes a great whiskey. Uh, so there's lots of opportunity here, that's for sure. Yeah. So you've got the freedom, and you also get a still that's flexible. You've got a cooper over the road. You've got local ingredients to draw on. You've got your own safe, good quality water source coming in. Yeah. It, it's beginning to sound like nothing could go wrong, but I'm sure there are <laughs> obstacles there. What yeah. do you think is going to be your biggest obstacle? Well, I, I think the biggest obstacle is, um, you know, is the product. You know, for me, I, I want to ensure that I have a, have a great quality product. And, you know, we're planning on that three to four year mark uh, to put out our product. And that may not come at that mark. So there's, there's a bit of an unknown there, uh, definitely. You know, I considered making gin. Uh, to generate some income as well but you know my passion is with the whiskey industry and I, I want to stick with that so but I mean that could definitely be a hurdle um, not getting our product out for sale yeah I'm, I'm starting small so you know we're not uh, putting ourselves in the hole um, right away you know I want the business to grow I want to develop a great quality product and let the business grow from that quality Hmm. That sounds that sounds um, a good standard to work by. Really yeah, nice. 
Well, I hope so. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a it's a big venture. You know, I'm I'm putting um, a, a big chunk of my uh, my life savings and my time. Um, I'm building the residence within the distillery itself, so I'll be living right on site. Um, yeah, it's a it's a big move out here from where I used to be in the mountains for 18 years. So it's something I believe in and. Uh, I think that's well, I can't, I can't blame you for that. I mean, it does sound absolutely ideal. And I must confess, I'm sort of one step away here from saying, I'll tell you what, I'll sell my house, I'll put all my money and I'll come over and join you. <laughs> I know, it's that, it's that excitement, isn't it? It's, yeah, well, I'm fortunate, you know, my girlfriend has been very supportive. Um, I don't have a family yet uh, to rely upon me. So, um, yeah, there's there's some things that came into play as well there and i think that canada is is going to start developing even more of a um a market with whiskey as well because without wanting to to be mean about canada um certainly over here in the uk i've had the feeling that for quite some time canada has been almost the forgotten whiskey mm -hmm. um certainly a lot of the books that i read will sort of separate whiskies into regions and it would be scottish irish american then canada right at the back of the book if it's there at all um which is a bit of a shame because of course canadian whiskey has had a, a big impact um on the world especially during times like prohibition yeah and i, and I think again now american whiskey and canadian whiskies are coming up with this as you are doing this movement of small craft artisanal whiskies that really i think represent this the the core spirit of what got whiskey going in the first place yeah i absolutely you know, agree you said it best without question well grant thank you ever so much for talking to me yeah no um, i appreciate your time jim no, it's been a it's been a pleasure, um, and at that point, I most likely stop the um, the proper interview and just quickly ask you: Is there anything else you would like to put in? Because we can talk, and I can edit that in next. No, I don't think so. You know, I'm a pretty honest and upfront guy, so uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's anything anything more to add. I mean, you know, we're a little bit away from. Uh, construction we hope to have our like i say our, our final approval here mid-january and we hope to start construction uh in march if if that can happen sooner that would be great there's a house on the property that we have to tear down but uh, everything is proceeding along so we're pretty excited uh, about it you know the sooner for me the sooner the building is built and the still is in place and the equipment's in place that the sooner and you know, happier i'll be I guess, you know, my, my passion is not rezoning and, and building a building. It's uh, having an opportunity to interact with people and, and make a whiskey. Well, thank you again for listening to this episode of the More to Muse podcast. If you haven't heard them already, there is a back catalogue of other episodes available on iTunes. And if anybody wants to contact me, they can do so. My email address is jim at themaltedmuse.com. There's the website www.themaltedmuse.com. And there's also Twitter at twitter at 
The Malted News. So thank you again for listening. I hope you'll listen next week. And until then, thank you and goodbye. Thank you.